everybody! Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right, we are. Still classy and still brothers. That's it. That's who we are. That's what we do. We're the, the classiest brothers out there. No. I don't know if we're the classiest We're the classic. Most cl- the, p- the most... Cl- the classicest? The most classic brothers the out there. Because I would say the Property Brothers are pretty classy. The Property Brothers are way classier than us. We should have the Property Brothers on. <laughs> we should have the Property Brothers on. That would be a fun episode. Do you think the Property Brothers would come on to talk about SimCity? We, we should send them an email. I'll send them see. an email. Or the Sims. Or the Sims. Oh, they might like them do both. Yeah, we can. We I'd, if the Property Brothers come on to our podcast, I will let them do both. I let but them. But they are they're they're twins. But anyway, this is not an HGTV podcast. No, not so yet. We should we sh- not <laughs> not. I hope not ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we never know. We might get I mean, into the we might get into weird HGTV video games if any exist. <laughs> that's true. I think they do exist. Um, I mean, there's, I do there's like a HGTV. There's a bur- There's a video game for everything. There's I was going to say there's a Burger King for everything. I guess there is. <laughs> there's, there's a Burger King for everything. That's, that's going to be Burger our... King we should everything. get a t-shirt that has our faces on it and just says there's a Burger King for everything above it. No context. No con- And only release it between the times that this episode comes out and, and take it off sale by the time this episode drops. So that no one ever knows until it's too late anyway seth what have you been playing recently recently i've been playing uh, a game called detroit become human Mm -hmm. by quantic dream yeah it originally came out on the ps3 4 and the other games that they made heavy rain and uh beyond two souls came out on ps3 so if you haven't played detroit become human uh it is a game that takes place in detroit and it is uh, around the premise of androids so it takes place in the near future 2038 and which is actually much nearer than when it came out because i think the game came out a little while ago so it takes place in the near future 2038 where androids are a thing and are essentially created to perform the menial tasks for humans so you have like android gardeners and android caretakers and android road construction people uh so this simultaneously makes people happy because they don't have to do these menial or perhaps tough jobs and also simultaneously unemploys a bunch of people so then there's this spike of unemployment so during the game you play as uh, actually three different androids throughout the game each android is a a different class as it were there's like a caretaker android you play as and then you have you play as a care uh an android who's specifically like a housekeeper who can take care of kids and then the final android is like a police assistant and you play through uh, this story that unravels for these almost like vignettes from the the three different androids perspectives of how android culture and human culture kind of clash. Uh, it has a lot of cool in-built-in tools. So if you're playing as the, the cop android, you can just look at somebody's face and you can immediately get their like criminal record and date of birth and all that stuff um, because they have access to databases like that. And the game pauses when you do this type of like thinking mode. So you can use it to kind of figure out your next movement. Um, it is a linear story, but... It's set up, so it's I, I say it's vignettes because each 
section of the story, you play as a different android, but it cycles through the three androids. So one one moment you might be playing as Connor, and then the next story you'll be playing as uh, Kara. They the, and they all kind of progress their own story along. But in, in each story, there are secret things to find that may unlock a different path to take in that story. It, certain ta- paths that you can take can end up uh, leading to your character's death or not. You know, like you could actually have the character live. It, and if you play, so and so my playthrough may be vastly different than Zach's playthrough. Uh, and you can go back and you can play through different things and see almost they're very well crafted stories and they they play out differently, which is it's great. I I really enjoy it. Um, I think they did a great job with it. I I really like that heavy story type situation and it's a really interesting story for me. Um, and uh, so yeah, I've been having a great time. I uh, I recommend it. It is on Steam. It's on sale. I think Detroit become. Well, it was on sale when I bought it. It will not be on sale for this episode. But um, I think it MSRP's at like 30 bucks, um, which I think even full MSRP for the game is worth it. I would I would I would pay full MSRP for this game. Um, uh, I would make sure that your drivers are up to date before you play the game. And I, I had issues with my install, so I had to reinstall it. So I had to have my drivers up to date and I had to reinstall it. But um, because it does this shading thing in the beginning where it preloads shaders that kept crashing but so if you run into that issue don't give up i i spent 20 minutes trying to fix my game and i'm very happy that it works because it's really really good so zach what have you been recently been playing well i have recently been playing animal crossing new horizons which is oh, a fun. fairly recent game that came out recently came out on the nintendo switch um, it was developed by Nintendo, it was developed in-house by their Entertainment Planning and Development Division, which does a lot of their in-house um, productions. Yeah, it's it's a great game. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Animal Crossing is a life simulation game, usually not very story-heavy. Um, there is kind of a story in Animal Crossing. You play as a person who is going on a trip to a kind of like an island getaway to live um, essentially you, you signed up, your character signs up for a once in a lifetime experience to go live on this abandoned island in the middle of nowhere with two other people and your future landlord. So you go to this island and then your future landlord tells you that you owe him massive amount of debt. So you have to pay him off, but it, it's, it's mostly about, uh, kind of exploring, uh, crafting, making friends. Uh, you meet a lot of different kind of as the name implies animals it's it's um your character is the only human character in this world besides from other players who you can interact with in this in this game there is an online element it's it's been really fun and it's it's gained a lot of popularity due to the the stay-at-home orders that kind of got issued right around the time that the game came out um it's done really well in terms of sales because everyone kind of wanted it so that they could spend time with their friends which is you know sad but it it does have the ability to allow people to spend time with their friends and and hang out and just kind of goof around primarily i've been working on just kind of getting through the initial stages of the game so kind of every day and this is real world days there's kind of some new tasks that you have to take into consideration and um, i've been working on kind of getting my island looking nice and uh 
and just kind of uh, progressing and trying to get some more new people to come live on my island, some new NPCs. I read a story that Elijah Wood actually plays the game. Uh, the uh, he got some so someone tweeted at him and he got their friend code and showed up and just like hung out with them. And they were because they were big fans of him. So he's apparently he's very polite and he asks things before he does things on your island. Because I guess you can manipulate other people's islands. Yeah, you can you can manipulate some stuff. Um, I, I've I've uh, done some trips to um, to my girlfriend's island and to some other people's islands. And uh, there's some stuff you can manipulate. You can't really like break their island apart, but you can like chop down a tree. Or some people steal their apples, or steal their apples, and some people might not want you to chop down their tree or steal their apples. So, well, that's a that's a fun. So there is animals, and there is their crossing. Uh, yeah, because you do actually build bridges to cross over little rivers. So there is crossing, oh, and there are animals. Nice, nice. And um, did you play any of the original Animal Crossing? I played a little bit of New Leaf, which is on the Nintendo DS, and I own a copy of the first Animal Crossing that was released in America um, for the GameCube. Um, There actually was an earlier Animal Crossing, just for a little bit of history, that came out in Japan on the Nintendo 64, but we never got the Nintendo 64 version. We only got the GameCube version. Um, I do have the GameCube version, I just haven't played it. And it's kind of Harvest Moon-like, isn't it? Yeah, I think the one difference is that that Animal Crossing makes use of the real-world clock, where, like I said, a... An hour in the game is an hour in real life. So, um, you know, if I logged in at the moment, we're we're recording this episode at nine thirty. If I logged in at the moment, the 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 island would be dark. Um, I think my store that is available would be just about to close. Some of my villagers might be sleeping at this moment. Some of them stay up late and go exploring for some reason at like midnight. For the most part, the game keeps to a keeps to a real world schedule. Oh, it's kind of like what they promised with um, Oblivion. Yeah, it is like what they promised with Oblivion. And actually what they promised with Fable, which uh, in a future episode, maybe we'll talk about Fable and uh, Peter Molyneux and uh, his games. But this is not that episode. This episode, we're going to be talking about um, something a little different. Something very different. (laughs) Something very different. Perhaps even a little classic classic gaming brothers after dark a little bit. Ooh uh something a little risque oh uh this this episode we're gonna be talking <laughs> it's getting weird you know that almost can lead you into like games like manhunt or like oh i'm thinking some, of like, i'm thinking of some of that. the weird atari games that came out that were like that are definitely for like an r-rated episode of classic uh, gaming uh, brothers <laughs> <laughs> or the uh the, the playboy mansion game that came out oh yeah god um Anyway, we're not talking about X-rated games. We're yeah, talking about bootleg games. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, which is a game that is uh, distributed uh, via illicit methods, such as infringing on an uh, intellectual property or an unlicensed physical media. So if Zach and I decided to uh, make... So let, let me back up. Zach's very familiar with bootleg games. Yeah. Um, he is an avid collector of bootleg games, so he'll be taking point on most of this episode, even though I may still talk a lot because I like the sound of my own voice. But for me, I'm so perhaps we should frame this around a question. Zach, if I if you and I made a game together, we had it star our favorite blue hedgehog, and he ran around in his own 
classic gaming brother world, would that be a bootleg game? So what bootlegs tend to boil down to is the most important question with is, are we making any money? <laughs> so if, if Seth and I were to make a uh, classic gaming brothers themed version of Sonic, or actually I, I goofed around in some, in some programming, I created a classic gaming brother version of super Mario brothers that I, I showed Seth. If I were to, s- maybe we can put that on um, the Insta. Yeah. Maybe we can throw that up on the Insta. Now, if I were to distribute this free, Arguably, it wouldn't be illegal because while I would still technically be infringing on an IP, companies like Nintendo and such don't tend to often go after people who are giving away free things with their IP. That doesn't mean that they're not going to go after someone. Um, Nintendo has done that with some of their IPs, including Pokemon and uh, and actually Mario. They've done that occasionally with some fan games. But for the most part, if you're giving away something for free, it's not an issue. And I wouldn't classify that as a bootleg. Where it would be classified as a bootleg to me is if we decided to sell it. Um, specifically, if we decided to make money off of it, then it is a, that is infringing on, a, on an IP. And that is we're, we are making money off of something that we do not have the license for. And that's kind of, I think, where the whole uh, I, kind of bootleg term go- comes in there. So I think... Seth brings up a really important thing that I think is important, that's really useful to clarify, is that I'll be using the term ROM hack throughout this, and I might mention some homebrews. By nature, ROM hacks and homebrews are not bootlegs, but ROM hacks and homebrews are often sold as bootlegs. So people might make ROM hacks of games, and a ROM hack is a, a palette change or a gameplay change or a maybe a sprite change, like an update to the characters or something, of an existing game. Like maybe taking Sonic 1 and putting and putting Knuckles in Sonic 1, which wasn't available in the original game. That is... that. Isn't technically isn't technically Sonic Mania a ROM hack? No, but that's that's a, a great um, little thing. Is that Sonic Mania was actually made by ROM hackers? Sonic Mania was created from the ground up, but it was made by a guy named Christian Whitehead, um, who was originally known as the Tax Man back on the early days of Sonic hacking forums, um, and he's worked on plenty of Sonic ROM hacks back in the really early day of Sonic ROM hacking. Um, history, which was in the early 2000s, that was really popular, and in the late 90s. But Christian Whitehead, and I think he's the perfect example of someone who, you know, Sega saw what he was doing and recognized talent and brought him in to work on future games such as Sonic Mania, which he built. He did build from the ground up. He he created an engine that um, was original. Where a ROM hack would be is like I have a I have a I, I've seen copies of Sonic the Hedgehog, but with like the very first Sonic the Hedgehog, which in the original game it's just Sonic, but replacing Sonic with Amy the Pink Hedgehog or or Sally from the from the cartoon series or Tails, where they they're making a substantial character change or a change to the game in in some manner. And like I said, these aren't necessarily bootlegs. These ROM hacks don't have to be bootlegs. When it's a bootleg is when it gets sold for money, and the money that is being taken is not going to the <laughs> to anyone that is the either the IP holder or the the person who worked on the ROM hack. Which I guess arguably things like reproduction cartridges are kind of in this gray area. I might buy a reproduction cartridge of a game that was only released in Japan using an English translation so that I can play it for the first time on real hardware. But when you think about it, neither the translator nor the person who made the game is getting money from that. So that's where it gets into that really weird... That might be a little more messy, and that kind of borders on the bootleg 
uh, territory. But if I have money, <laughs> why would I buy a bootleg game instead of a regular game? So, at least in the early days of bootlegging, the most common reason for someone to purchase a bootleg game was simply because they were living in an area where video games were not available. So, for example, it, it, until recently, countries like China, Brazil, parts of Russia, Vietnam, and Ukraine um, were incredibly popular areas for bootleg games because legitimate companies such as Nintendo and Sega and Sony were either unable to or almost physically impossible or physically impossible for them to access that market due to laws. So for example, for the longest time, China had what was called the console law. Essentially, it was a law that restricted video game consoles from being owned in a home setting. Um, there, there were certain like internet cafes that you could go to. You could play um, like PlayStation 2 and such, but you couldn't actually own a PlayStation. You couldn't own a Nintendo or a, a Sega. So what you saw was the were these things that the Chinese government weren't regulating, which were something called a Famiclone or a NES on a chip, which are two terms that you'll you'll see tossed around with bootlegs. A Famiclone is a knockoff of the hardware of the original Famicom, the original Nintendo, and an NES on a chip is kind of a like plug-in controller that uses a really really basic CPU and ROM chip that has the the nintendo code and um, kind of a, a way to replicate the hardware on a very a very basic level in order to kind of circumvent these laws a lot of times they were selling these things as toys which is why the the chinese government didn't really care too much to uh stop these people from selling these also a lot of times they were coming from within china or within um, the country that that had the ban on console games so there there was no like way for them to block these from coming into the the market because they were literally just showing up on pallets so (laughs) that would that would at least be in that time period one of the reasons why you might buy a bootleg game is just because people in countries like china and russia and ukraine and brazil obviously heard of the games that people were playing outside of the countries they heard of sonic they heard of you know nintendo but because they weren't able to access those games they had to get around that and they would purchase bootlegs that often um, were either imitators or or even attempts at recreating later games for earlier systems uh, such as versions of super mario world or final fantasy 7 that were ported to the original nintendo system not very well but <laughs> still you know the, the, the effectively full versions of these games for like the playstation but boiled down to a to a traditional like nes style rpg with this like nes on the chip i mean i've seen it in the stores like uh, especially back maybe in there when the days of like radio shack Mm -hmm. thing where you could buy like an n64 controller that you could plug into your tv and it would have like ten thousand games on it so is that a bootleg game most likely um so one that i actually owned that seth might remember it sounds like he's referencing this one in particular was um, it was an N64 controller that you plugged into your TV called the Super Joy Power Player 3, which has the best name ever. And that uh, essentially was a bootleg. It was not licensed by Nintendo. It was not approved by Nintendo. 
Um, it had games on it that were definitely within Nintendo's licensing. It was a bootleg, and it actually did say it had 76,000 games in one. And you see that even to this day. I was at a rest stop in New York, and I saw someone selling what effectively was the same thing. It was actually, it looked like the real NES Mini, um, that like, you know, HDMI version of the NES that Nintendo released, but it was not. It was a knockoff version of the NES Mini that was like using composite video instead of HDMI, and it had a like bootleg version of Mario with like different graphics on it being displayed on a, on a television screen. Really, the reason someone sells bootlegs is for money, and the reason a lot of times people buy bootlegs is, at least nowadays, is because of they might be confused. So again, in the early days of bootlegging, often the reason for the bootleg was because people weren't able to get to these games. So access and availability. This was especially prominent in places like Brazil, where you had there, there were Sega games being made in Brazil that never came out in the United States, such as there was a Duke Nukem 3d port released in Brazil for the Sega Genesis, which is astounding. Uh, And there was like a soccer game that was made in like 2008 for the Sega Genesis um, in Brazil. But that's because they didn't really have access to games from the outside world due to due to import laws. In modern days, when, when you see people selling and buying bootlegs, most of the time it's because the person buying the bootleg might be, say, a grandmother who doesn't really, who hears, oh, her, her grandson wants the Nintendo Classic. She goes to the mall, someone has a kiosk set up, has a thing that looks like a Nintendo, says, this plays classic Nintendo games. She hears classic Nintendo, and it's like, oh, that's the NES Classic. It, it's a manipulation thing, and it's it's that's, that's not right there. Another way that you see bootlegs often being sold is because of the retro market for video games. This kind of growing collector's market has just gotten kind of outrageous in terms of prices of games that are usually considered common games i mean if i want to buy super mario world right now it's like a 35 dollar game for a game that came out in the 1990s right and if you wanted to buy it like 10 years ago it was like five dollars exactly and i could maybe even cheaper exactly and i could actually go onto a website like makari or aliexpress which has a lot of uh um, a lot of bootleg sellers and probably pick up a copy of Super Mario World for five bucks, knowing full well it's a bootleg. But what will happen is people will go on eBay and just buy these bootleg games, assuming it's the real game. Um, but what this will end up doing is it will kind of mess up that 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 price fluctuation. It will sometimes even cause some of these older games that are legitimate to go up in price because now they're more sought after because it's you're buying the original copy, not the bootleg, you know. But like for for an example, Mario Kart is a $60, $70 game, the Super Mario Kart or Mario Kart 64 for the N64. You know, 60 $60 game for it out of box, uh, maybe 70, 80 in box, but a bootleg of it goes for 20 bucks. <laughs> you know, right. uh, someone on eBay might not be able to tell the difference between a bootleg and a non-bootleg cartridge and buy the bootleg because it's the cheaper one. Right, right. And the the Super Joy Power Player 3, you mentioned had yeah. like 76,000 games in one. But I remember there was a lot of like du- duplicity with that because sometimes they were just like repeated names and 
the same game over and over and over again. Yeah. So there's this kind of trend in uh, in bootlegs of something called the multi cart, and the multi cart is, as the name implies, it's it's multiple games on one cartridge or multiple games on one chip and multi-carts often try to outdo themselves it was almost like if you look at multi-carts that were coming out in the late 90s and really early 2000s in places like asia and russia um you'll you'll kind of see there was almost some like competitive nature between these these bootleggers and they would go from like five games in one to 20 games in one to 40 games in one to 600 games in one to 10,000 games in one, you know, (laughs) it keeps going up and up and up. Um, And I guess the idea was that people would see these numbers and be like, well, obviously I'm going to buy the one that says it has 20 million games in one because that one has the better deal. But what the, the actual list will just kind of duplicate the names. Sometimes I remember um, one multi-cart I saw had like five different mentions of Super Mario Brothers, but each one brought you to a different world in the game. So technically it was like you were playing a different you know thing each time you chose something. And that's how they get around it. It's like you're playing different versions or something. One that I played was a the palette swapped version, so all the colors were different when you when you played it. It was the same game. It's just the colors were different, you know. So that's something that you also will often see is uh, you know simple palette swaps to make the game seem original to kind of pad out this uh, this list and make it seem more impressive and thus uh, make people want to buy it more 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 quickly because they see the number and the price and they do that math you know ten thousand games in one for 40 bucks not bad who's making these these games are there any companies that do bootlegging is there like how do these games it's not it can't be all like hobbyists and stuff um to, so to kind of break it down there are there are what i would call unlicensed games and bootleg games now unlicensed games follow a lot of trends in bootleg games a lot of times they are sold on on cartridges and such for older game systems um they often have new uh, new ips or original ips so back in the 80s and the 90s you often saw brands such as tenjin or sachin um, who were two companies that would release different colored and shaped cartridges for the nes um, sachin's cartridges were black as opposed to gray tenjin's cartridges were also blacked but shaped differently and they had a different kind of label than the nintendo label there's another company called codemasters which had golden cartridges similar almost to the zelda cartridge but shaped slightly different uh wisdom tree was known for having like blue cartridges along with wisdom trees uh another brand for wisdom tree which is called color dreams also released blue cartridges so these games arguably aren't bootlegs they're unlicensed in the sense that nintendo never approved them and they would release games with these original ips so unlicensed games are kind of in a different boat where they're not really breaking any laws there weren't any like solid laws on the on the books in any country that said you couldn't sell a game for a video game system without permission of the company. But most likely what you were doing was going against company policy. And Nintendo tried to find ways to work around this. They actually had something called the lockout chip in their system, which prevented unlicensed games from being played on their system. Now, what companies like Wisdom Tree and Color Dreams and Sachin and Tenjin found out was there was a way to short this lockout chip using a special capacitor that they had built. So when you plugged in the cartridge, it would burn out the lockout chip for a split second, allowing the Hmm. game to be played, which was kind of, you know, messy. (laughs) But what what type of why would why would 
let's say, for example, why would Wisdom Tree, why would Nintendo not want Wisdom Tree to make something? What was, what were they making against company policy? Companies like Wisdom Tree were creating games, for example, that were Christian in nature. Wisdom Tree games were actually found primarily in Christian bookstores, and they were sold uh, via Christian uh, bookstore websites. And these were games that had overt Christian themes or overt religious themes, which Nintendo actually had against their, in their policy for distribution in North American titles. In some European and Japanese titles, they kept in religious themes, but for some reason, Nintendo of America said no, 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 no to that. And they prevented people from putting references into churches and crosses, often got you know censored out. Wisdom Tree has a game called Bible Adventures where you play as uh, Joseph um, trying to get Mary to Bethlehem um, in time for the census. The Wisdom Tree also had a game called Joshua, where you played as the biblical character Joshua, or or Exodus, where you played as Moses. So those sound terrific. Yes, um, possibly Wisdom Tree's best known game, which actually just saw a recent release on Steam of all places, was Super Noah's Ark 3D, which came out as an unlicensed cartridge for the super nintendo and also on dos at the time and that is a first person shooter where you play as noah on the ark and you have to feed the animals to get them to go to sleep oh it's with your gun amazing uh, it, it is it is a do you feed them you feed them with your gun yes you feed them with a slingshot so oh, like you have fruit. which is the f- yeah yeah which is the first person shooter aspect yeah right? exactly um it's built that's, on the wolfenstein engine that's interesting yeah uh companies like uh sachin and Tengen, um they might not have been able to afford or wanted to pay the uh, third-party fees that Nintendo asked for in terms of having the games licensed to distribute. Uh, Sachin, I know, produced kind of lower-quality games, so I'm assuming they probably couldn't afford the licensing fees. Tension was actually a branch of Atari that operated without using Atari's name to kind of hide the fact that they were part of Atari. And I think they just wanted to kind of capitalize on the market because they were a competitor to Nintendo at the time, they knew that their games wouldn't be available for license anyway, because Nintendo wasn't going to go about and license an Atari game. That was how they got around that. But there are other companies, too. There's actually uh, three companies that I learned about in kind of my time reading about bootlegs and such. And there's plenty more out there, but three that I think are fascinating are a company called JY, the JY Company, as it's now known as, Syntax, and NTDEC, N-T-D-E-C. And these are companies that operate um, overseas. A JY company, um, I believe, started in China, though people aren't really sure where exactly. Um, and the same with Syntax and NTDEC. That We know they started somewhere overseas, but we're just not sure where. Um, and these companies create some of the weirder bootleg titles. So Syntax was known for creating some uh, fake Game Boy Advance games, some games that, um, you know, uh, some Game Boy Advance games that were infringing on like Sonic or Crash Bandicoot um, IPs. JY was creating games like Somari the Adventurer, which was Mario in Sonic's levels on the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, They also created a bunch of these ports of of games such as that super mario world port on the original nintendo or the final fantasy 7 port for the original nintendo uh ntdec also does similar things like that i think they might have been involved in 
some of the kind of 16-bit games out there. There was one in particular called Sonic Jam 6, which has Sonic in Mario's level. It's like a reverse Somari. Or uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 4, which is Sonic in Speedy Gonzales levels. Uh, or Speedy, and it, It's Sonic in a Speedy Gonzales game that was originally released for the Super Nintendo. It just replaced Speedy with, uh, with Sonic. Um, so these companies, obviously, they're not... They're not uh, officially approved by by Nintendo or anything like that, but because they operate in countries that don't have very strict IP laws, and a lot of times countries like China, um, you know, they try their best at making sure people don't infringe on copyrights, but they can't always control that. I know China in particular has a kind of rampant problem in, in IP infringement where there is a story in particular about people who worked for an Apple store that got shut down only to find out it wasn't run by Apple. It was run by a company that called themselves Apple and sold products that they labeled Apple products. But when the company got shut down and the people contacted the actual Apple to see if they could get some, you know, compensation for the sudden shutdown, they weren't given anything because Apple, they never worked for Apple. So that's how a lot of these companies operate. They, they operate they they appear like legitimate businesses, but they do illegitimate things to kind of break into this market. Um, one thing that I didn't include in my notes that I think is fascinating, though, is that despite the fact companies like Nintendo weren't allowed in countries like China, that definitely didn't stop them. Nintendo actually released something called the IQ, I-Q-U-E, which was a plug-and-play system that had Nintendo games on it and that they fully they, they created, they created that in-house and they took off all of their branding on it and created this whole new brand and sold it as a bootleg machine in China, pretending it was a bootleg so that they could get some revenue, uh, which From I think, China, I think yeah. was clever of Nintendo. Yeah. Um, that's, that's pretty funny. It's actually fun because they, they were sold cheap, but to this day, the IQs actually go for a lot of money because they were such a kind of obscure little thing. Yeah, um, very rare. Yeah. But yeah, overall, that's just kind of bootleg games. I, I have a good collection of bootleg games myself. I have kind of a, a stack of PS1 games that my, my buddy gave me. None of them work, unfortunately. They're all damaged. I have a, a bootleg Famicom game that is called Super Mario 17. You play as Mario, uh, and you have a bow staff, and you fight monsters. Um, <laughs> I have Sonic Jam 6, of course, and I have a copy of that Sonic game for the Super Nintendo, the Speedy Gonzalez game. And every time I'm out, if I'm looking for video games, I always keep an eye out for bootlegs. They slip in sometimes into even uh, legitimate stores. We'll sometimes accidentally carry them or... Um or they'll slip in, 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 you know, you go to a flea market and there'll be like 100 games inside of a box and sometimes you'll find something weird in there. Especially Pokemon games. Pokemon games, I think, are the most bootlegged that you see. Um, not even the legitimate games, but like you'll see these fake Pokemon games. Often they're ROM hacks sold as like, they're sold as like official versions of Pokemon, but that you've never heard of before. Um, one that I used to see pop up all the time on eBay. I've seen copies of it floating around at, at, at flea markets is one called uh, chaos black. And it actually has a picture of a character from Sonic the Hedgehog on the cover, which, you Good. know, that doesn't, that doesn't add up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> um, so, you know, Sonic and Pokemon world. Do you, have you ever played chaos black? I have, I played a, I played it on an emulator. Um, it, they add some fake Pokemon into it, not from Sonic, Good. but just some like fake Pokemon. 
Should have been from Sonic. It should have been from Sonic. I think the, the, the thing that I want to kind of put out there is that bootleg games are incredibly fascinating, and they, they, they are definitely an interesting history item to, to kind of read into, and the kind of the history of bootleg games, I think, is one that kind of is concurrent with video games in the sense that, you know, these companies, whether or not they came from good intentions, they they released they are video games i mean (laughs) they they are weird video games that infringed on major ip holders they are video games um i do want to give a warning though that people who um are interested in game collecting specifically classic video game collecting um to know what they're looking for when when trying to find a rare video game you don't want to be duped by someone who's selling a fake cartridge so if you're looking for a rare game i always tell myself a couple things one if there are enough pictures of the game to prove that it is a true copy of the game you're likely in a good place um a lot of times if someone's selling a really rare game they will be comfortable with opening up the cartridge if it's a cartridge to show you the board. That is the surefire way. Always look to make sure that the board is legitimate. Um, you can actually find pictures of rare game boards online in order to find a way to kind of match the board to the copy that you're purchasing. If they're not comfortable with opening it, I would be hesitant. Even if it's a really rare game, you're not going to do much damage if you open a cartridge up. So that that is, uh, I would be hesitant there. Make sure the artwork matches. That's a big one. If the artwork doesn't look anything like the official artwork does, probably nine out of ten times it's going to be a bootleg, unless it says it was re like rebranded or something like um, yeah, yeah, like they like they put like yeah like they put a new new sticker on it because the old one was yeah if something. it was released in waves or something yeah so keep an eye out for stuff like that. Um, the the other thing is on on like especially game boy cartridges and stuff keep an eye out for nintendo's logo they'll actually hide it on the on the board on the pcb board so if if you have a physical game boy cartridge um game boy advance cartridge you look under at the pcb board that's hiding um you know right in the plastic you should see nintendo's name printed right on it um that's most of most of nintendo's games have that and the other thing is that if if this is the big one, if it's too good to be true, it probably isn't. If you see a copy of a game like Panic Diner, which currently goes for about four to five hundred dollars, I'm pretty sure it's a Nintendo game, and you see a copy of it going for like a hundred, it's probably not real. It's probably a bootleg. It's probably a reproduction. If you if you see a copy of like Nintendo World Championship going for a thousand dollars, which is a a rare cartridge that at this point I think the last known one sold for about. 20 grand most likely a bootleg if it's selling for such a ridiculously low price even if it sounds like a high price to to you compare the prices look at how the game has historically sold in the past few years if it's a really rare game and and just kind of think into your head like why would someone be selling it for this much of a discount um you know most likely you're selling it to make a quick buck so that's just some takeaway if if you're interested in bootleg games though um there are plenty of weird ones that you could just play for free i mean you can probably find them online um and, and download them for emulators and such so I, I definitely recommend uh doing a little bit of digging if you're if you're interested yeah and and of course you can always um reach out to the classic gaming brothers if you are want some additional uh titles to uh find out and i mean it is uh something that selling them is illegal but buying them, I don't think is illegal. Yeah, I mean, it's that weird area where if you buy a bootleg game, I don't think there's there's nothing. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot. You were deceived. You perhaps were deceived. Yeah. I mean, 
right? Because that's uh, you might have some recompense on that, especially if it's a like a, a bootleg that's not like a silly bootleg like Sonic Jam Six. Like, yeah, if obviously Sonic Jam Six is a bootleg. Yeah, but and you can buy Sonic Jam Six. People shouldn't be selling it though because that's making that's not giving due to the person who holds the IP. But if it was like Sonic the Hedgehog Three. But it was not Sonic the Hedgehog three when you got home. Then you might have some. I, I don't know if you're. They're gonna. You know. I don't know if the courts are gonna go after five dollars or ten dollars or whatever you may have yeah, lost. But yeah. you know, there. If if it was a game like Nintendo World Championship for a thousand dollars, then you probably have grounds to go after them if it wasn't a real game because that would be deception on their part. Though, so, so that's our bootleg episode. Um, hopefully, it was. Uh, well. The bootleg segment, as it were. <laughs> um, just like done. Oh, I mean, I, um, do, I do have some recorded uh, cassette tapes of our episode. I, I goofed around with a with a with a tape recorder a few mo- a weeks back, and I have a. I'm gonna make a sound of it. Ooh, it's a recorded uh, bootleg copy of two episodes of Classic Gaming Brothers. And you know what? If you write in to this uh, to to our email, classicgamingbrothers at gmail uh, who knows? Maybe we'll do a drawing. Who knows? Maybe you'll be lucky and you'll get a copy of our bootleg Ooh, classic gaming a, a bootleg cassette tape to play on your cassette tape player that you have. That's right. That's right. Uh, um, I we actually Zach and I um, when we went to PAX ended up getting a cassette tape of a of a soundtrack for the game yeah, Wondering. Yeah. And uh, I had to give it to Zach because I don't own anything to play a cassette tape. And Zach still does. I, I, I think own, he actually owns a couple. I of own things three things that play can play cassette tapes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's always that. So uh, to get on to our um, buy wait pass, uh, Zach, what are you excited about buying, waiting, or passing on? Yeah. So my buy wait pass for today is actually a game that we um, briefly I think you might have talked about it briefly, but it's definitely a game that we actually played um during one of our recent twitch streams and it's a game called grounded um which is oh, an yeah. obsidian by game. obsidian yeah um so grounded is a game coming out on july 28th you play as a, a person um a young adult who has been shrunk down to a tiny size and you explore someone's backyard um i wrote in my note it's first person honey i shrunk the kids the game that's it uh <laughs> I, I don't really know how much more of the story I, I, there is if there is any or any that i really care about learning it is an obsidian game and obsidian makes some pretty quality games with some usually pretty good stories um seth and i played the demo i thought it was interesting i think i'm gonna put it on a wait because i again think it's interesting but i it's wasn't 100 my cup of tea i think the aesthetic was really cool i think like just the idea of like exploring the background uh, the backyard as this like tiny person fighting ants and stuff was kind of cool but something about it didn't click for me i think um execution wise it just didn't quite click the way i, I expected it to so i think for now it's going to be a wait for me yeah, and I feel like it scratches a very similar itch that the forest scratches. So, like, if you want to play that type of game, um, well, if Zach wants to play that type of game, he can just convince me to play the forest, and we can get the band back together, and we can play some more of the forest. Doesn't take um, too hard because it has that that type of uh, crafting mechanics and survival to it. Less on the horror, though. What was really nice, though, that. I would like to say about the grounded demo is that um, in the beginning uh, there is a prompt for those with arachnophobia 
since you are playing grounded, there are going to be insects and arachnids because you are small like a bug. So you will encounter bugs. And there is a content warning that says, hey, you know, there's going to be arachnids in this game. Uh, you can disable that and you can play the game and it won't impact the game at all. It, you just will not, uh, the spiders will look like something else. So they won't look like spiders. Um, I didn't click that since I don't have arachnophobia, uh, but uh, I, I don't know what the spiders look like. So I hope they don't look too silly, but uh, but there's that, which is nice. So my byway pass is a game called Mondo Museum. The game uh, will be coming to early access this summer, which is soon since we are in the wonderful time of July, where you design and create the world's greatest museum. And it looks like it is very much like Two Point Hospital. So it's, but it's a museum instead of a hospital, which is in two entirely different places. Uh, you go to a museum for fun. You go to a hospital for not fun. It's being developed by Viewport Games and pu being published by Kit Fox Games. And it looks like a pretty snappy building management game where you can build out like a, a cool museum and you got to, you know, make sure you got your restrooms, you got your gift shop, you're trying to make money off these people, you got to get your place where they pay for their tickets to come in. But then you can put out your like dinosaur bones or your Egyptian section and you can design your flow of your museum. And as somebody who really enjoys going to museums, uh, I think I would have a lot of fun playing this game. And you have to hire staff and all that stuff. So... I'm I'm actually going to uh, put this down as a buy. I I think I, I I'm really into um, building management games. Uh, I like Two Point Hospital. I like like theme park games. I like zoo game the zoo games. I, I like I just like building and managing things. Being able to design your own museum is just another. I I, I guess I don't know like a, a function of society. I guess that you, that you can control. Uh, I've never actually played any type of uh, museum style management game, so I think it's kind of a cool take on it. So yeah, so Mondo Museum, and uh, so yeah, that's gonna be it for our bootleg episode. Um, Zach, do you want to tell people how they can contact us, support us, and listen to us? Well, Seth, I think I will just do that. I'll tell people how they can contact us listen to us and support us in that order so let's say you want to contact us let's say you want to say hey classic gaming brothers heard you're offering a bootleg copy of one of your episodes on cassette and i would like a copy of that well guess what you can open up your email client that you have so you're using netscape navigator and you're using some old email client <laughs> open that up in the in the two fields right classic gaming brothers at gmail.com uh, in the, I hope you're not using Netscape now. I hope not either, but you know, you never know. You never know what's out there. Um, in the in the subject line, why don't you put right in there, "Hey, classic gaming brothers," and in the body paragraph, write, "Hey, classic gaming brothers," <laughs> and then whatever you want, you can write some question that you have for us or some comment that you have. Maybe you're like, "Hey, Zach, thought this episode was really interesting, but sure would wish you let Seth talk more." Or maybe you're like, uh -huh. "Hey, Seth, I don't know." Oi. <laughs> <laughs> Or you could be like, uh, you're too loud, or you're yeah, too yeah. soft. Yeah, maybe, like, maybe you're like, hey, audio was terrible this episode. Or maybe, hey, audio was a lot better than episode 30, that's for sure. Uh, 
<laughs> any every audio is better than episode 30 though episode 30 has better audio than episode zero it only took us 30 episodes to get worse than our first episode. it's true yeah <laughs> maybe you want to tell us just how much you love our podcast or maybe you want to tell us just how much you think our podcast is okay um in any case please reach out to us via email Alternatively, you can reach out to us via any of the social media networking sites that we have. So that's uh, Facebook, Classic Gaming Brothers, Instagram, Classic Gaming Brothers, Twitter, CG Brothers Pod. Oops. Uh, and uh, do we have any other social media? I mean, we have a YouTube um, and a Twitch, but I was going to talk about that later. Yep. Um, we have a MySpace. No, no we, we don't have a MySpace. MySpace. We'll, we'll create a BBS. We'll create a Classic Gaming Brothers BBS. I could get one running. Uh, we, we do have a... Uh, there there could be a forum but <laughs> down the line we'll we'll talk about that uh, no 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 it's hidden but it exists ooh. oh now i want to like it's only me it's i want only like me classic gaming forum. brother image board <laughs> image board Ooh, we can do that um cgb channel <laughs> god uh, so yeah, that's all the ways that you can... Oh, and if you go to our website, ClassicGamingBrothers.com, you can go to the uh, Contact Us page, which uh, has a contact form, which, guess what, goes right to our email. So it's like sending us an email, but not through email, which is pretty cool. Um, true. In any it's case... True. You still have to tell us your email. Yeah, you still have to give us your email. So, I, I mean, I guess you can give us a fake email. Um, I don't know how it... Like, you can put in like, at, it blah, doesn't. blah, blah. Um, yeah, no, it, there's there's no security on that. <laughs> which is why we get weird spam. Yeah. Um, but uh any case yeah uh let us know what you think of the podcast we always like to read people's comments seth will respond to you if you reach out to us through twitter i'll probably respond to you um and uh that's how you contact us let's say you want to listen to us though let's say let's say for example you're listening to this episode right now on some podcast app that you absolutely hate maybe it organizes all of the episodes by alphabetical order by the last letter of the episode that sounds stupid you want a podcasting app that you like but Oh no, Classic Gaming Brothers. I don't want to miss out uh, because you're on this podcasting app. What other podcasting apps are you on? Well, guess what? We're on all of them. We're on we're on iTunes, we're on uh, we're on we're on Google, we're on Castbox, we're on Acast, that one that I like to mention a bunch. Um <laughs> we're yeah. on all the podcasting apps. Stitcher, um Spotify, Sp- Spotify, iTunes. iTunes. I said iTunes. Oh, did I did you? say iTunes. Well, iTunes is one of our are one of our bigger demographics so and guess what if there's a if there's a podcasting application out there that maybe you just created and and maybe we're not on it let us know we'll find a way to get on it i I can't guarantee that uh we will definitely be your second podcast on your podcasting application (laughs) (laughs) we we don't go first anyway that's right (laughs) those are all the ways to listen to us if you want to see our beautiful faces we do have a twitch um which is uh classic gaming brothers we also have my view which is versus vs classic gaming brothers uh, occasionally when my internet behaves i'll stream along with seth on our twitch we stream a bunch of stuff we stream classic video games we stream modern video games and we stream some weird video games like barrow trauma yeah we also have a youtube page which is classic gaming brothers or mortuary <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah, i want to that was weird we 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 do some weird games. we do some weird games um but we also upload all of those to our youtube channel which is classic gaming brothers we also have a backlog of some of our episodes or most of our episodes on that channel uh so yeah that's all the ways you can contact us and listen to us now if you want to support us there's plenty of ways you could support us number one ring those bells number two <laughs> tell three friends just three no more no less also number three listen to us what <laughs> i said number three listen to us i already talked about how they can listen to us 
No, no, no. Oh, That's yeah. how they can oh, yeah. support oh, us yeah, by yeah, listening yeah, yeah, to yeah. us. They, you can also listen to us. You can also listen to us, which is great. You're, Just enjoy our content. I mean, you're probably you, doing, they're probably listening us. to us already. But if you want to continue listening to us, that would be much appreciated. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, if, if this is your first episode and you're like, hey, these guys are great. Go listen to some of our others, maybe. Just not like the first one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... and, and Continue listening to us. We'd listen, very much appreciate it. Listen, yeah, listen to episodes that you are interested in yes. to listening to, preferably above the number three mark on the episode. Also, uh, check us out on all of our social media because we always announce when we have a new episode up or we're going live on our social media. We're always pretty good about that. We also like to make announcements about things such as steam sales or or bundles or uh, like or other other sales going on that we think are interesting sometimes we just post memes we're funny people we, th- we think so uh, Master General's no, been this is a very serious very serious podcast there's no memes so yeah <laughs> slack uh also we have a store Again, if you are listening to this currently during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, there is a slight delay on our products. Uh, there should be a, 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 there's an announcement on our website that indicates this. Really, as long as the announcement there, that's the case. When the announcement goes away, then it most likely means we're back to our normal shipping schedule. So if you if you do feel like wearing a piece of our merchandise, which has our face on it, or drinking out of our face, then that sounds like we have like ceramic mugs that are like in... Oh, we do have ceramic mugs. Oh, that, that, what, that are... I, actual face that would be great like like the like obama like chia pet no as the no no i want that i i'm in i'm in charge of all the sourcing of our products no No, if if you want to drink out of one of our heads let us know (laughs) um anyway that those are some of the ways you can support us we always appreciate it don't feel like you're obligated to buy anything honestly um because we just like making content we don't really care if right. you purchase anything but if we see someone wearing a t-shirt with our face on it we're gonna freak out um that is, right. a, that is a fact being that we keep track of everyone who buys a t-shirt with our face on it there's not a lot out there but there is uh, i mean some. someone might donate it to goodwill that's <laughs> true and we just keep track of it because it's sales. It's yeah. not like we keep track of it because we're weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're also weird. Anyway, those are the those are the ways you can do all the things. You can reach out to us. You can uh, you can support us, and you can listen to us. And I did, did that in the wrong order. But uh, guess what? There's it's tons right. of ways out there that you can help us, and we we appreciate it. And thank you for listening. And uh, that's it. That's it. There's nothing left. Nothing left to do, unless you can think of something. Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the classic gaming brothers. We have. And probably at this point, I'm going to like layer in some of the really annoying music that is in some of these bootleg games that I talked about. Oh, that, that could be fun. Bad. <laughs> Does uh, Sonic Jam 6 have any uh, fun? Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> good, good. We could just play it, but we could still be talking while you play some of it. So yeah, that well, not yeah, I'll be talking why all of a sudden yeah, yeah. Satan is speaking into their, yeah, yeah out yeah. of their just speaker. Just so they know, just so they're comfortable with it. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>